Hello, how are you doing? Hope you're keeping well. Thanks for joining us today, whether you're watching live, that's fantastic, or if you're joining us later on in the week, that is also good. So, like Chloe said, we are doing the Journey to the Cross series. Now, I'm coming off the back of here. I went for a four-hour cycle yesterday. It's the first exercise I've done like in three months. And I got a little bit over-ambitious, to be honest. I went from my house in Pentlegare to Morriston, which was a fair spin. I thought, tell you what, I think I'll go down the front to see how we get on. So I ended up going all the way down past the stadium, down to the front in Swansea, all the way down to Mumbles, up Klein Garden, Gowerton, Gossainen, and back to Pentlegare. And I was nearly crying by the end of it. And I'm surprised I can actually walk now. Sitting down is another story. But anyway, great to see you this morning, spend some time with you. Now, can you cast your mind back to primary school and those memories that you had? I can't remember any of the education, but I can remember playtime. You said love playtime. Did you love playtime? Well, the games we used to play back in the 80s, these were the games that we used to play, okay? Football, obviously. The, 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 the key game, Rounders. You said love the game of Rounders. But there was a game that was very popular back in the day, and that was called British Bulldogs which uh, entailed where the person in the middle would have to catch the whole of the class running towards you. And as soon as you got one person, they would join your team as well, and then you'd go about trying to catch the other players. And by the end of it, if you didn't have a black eye, bruised ribs, and a dislocated shoulder, you hadn't played the game properly. But that was fantastic, so I love that. But when I was really thinking about really casting my mind back, I remember this game called Follow the Leader. Can it, did anyone ever used to play Follow the Leader? So this game was you'd get one person in the class would be the leader, and everyone would get in a line behind the leader, and it was the leader's job then to run around the yard, and everyone would follow, and whatever move you did, the person would have to copy it. So, you know, if you're a boy, you're really competitive, you'd run as fast as you could, or you'd stop and you'd do one-arm press-ups. This is back in the day when you are like seven years old, okay, you could do it then. And you, you'd, try and get, you'd try and lose those people who were behind you, okay? And that was the game, follow the leader, and the girls would be whinging because you're running too fast, and you'd do 100 press-ups and all this kind of thing. But we used to love that game, and there is also the adult version as well. And if you, you know, have ever experienced a 1980s disco, and you haven't done the conga, then you haven't lived... Now, the conga was like you get the leader of the pack, the, the music would come on, and you'd all like go around the, the dance hall or whatever, and in between the chairs and around the tables, and everyone would be doing the conga in a line behind you. And we used to love that game back in the 80s, and that dance as well. And of course, it's perfectly normal to follow a leader in life. And uh, there may be different seasons where different people are leading us. Those who inspire us and teach us and those who take the time out to, to make a difference in our lives and to, you know, invest in our lives as well. So it's great to follow a leader and find those people in our lives who help us and, and we feel inspired by them. That is an important part of our lives. Now, there are some examples, of course. If you think of parents or teachers or coaches, or captains of a team, politicians, managers, or bosses in work, you know, church ministers, lecturers, there are many different types of leaders in life, and each of those leaders will have something different to bring to the mix, or make us think about how we're living our lives. Those people who inspire us, who get us really thinking, and, and we follow their example as well. And uh, we're in this part of the journey to the cross, and this series, we're in the sixth part now. And this particular part really opens up the amazing heart of Jesus in his leadership. His grounded and faithful love, his humility 
his sacrificial commitment to going all the way to the cross because of his faithful love. So let's just think about that in this series, in this particular talk. Jesus' love, his humility, his compassion for his friends and those who are following him. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at the particular verses from John 13. They're going to come up just behind me on the screen there, and I'm going to read them for us. So if you need an interpreter and you can't understand my accent, get ready, I'll speak slowly. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So some fantastic verses there. And the setting is the Last Supper, and Jesus knows he's about to be betrayed. And now he's spending time with the friends that he loves. What kind of conversations do you have at a time like this? You know, when you see what is in front of you, Jesus knows what's going on. You think of the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions. You know, what do you talk about, the memories that you share? And of course, we see in here Jesus taking this time to spend with his friends. You know, what are the words that he's going to say? What expectations are on Jesus' shoulders? We all know that the Israelites are waiting for the Messiah, the one who's going to bring them freedom from Roman rule and usher in peace. It turns out that Jesus' mission was much bigger than those expectations, actually. His mission was to bring freedom, yes, but to anyone who puts their faith in him. An opportunity for anyone from any walk of life to receive something of God, love, forgiveness, life to the full, a new start. And as we're studying the journey to the cross, this is Jesus' journey, his life leading to this moment. 
and he was actually taking on the devil himself. So we're going to look at these verses, and we're going to find out what Jesus was on about. What exactly did he have to say to his disciples at this critical, time-pressured, emotion-pressured moment in time? And we're going to unpack a little bit about what Jesus did there and then. Well, first of all, Jesus' motivation, we see, is love. Love for his friends, his family. And we read the accounts throughout the, the New Testament of his love towards people from all backgrounds, situations, positions in life, the lost, the broken, the lepers, the outcasts, the tax collectors, the misfits. He loved the ones who were hard to love. So we see when it, the scripture talks about here that he'd loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So Jesus' love expands to his friends, his family, to people from all walks of, of life. And I find that a very inspiring thing to consider. Now the Gospel of John picks out the fact that in Jesus serving people from all walks of life, he did it in many ways. Through teaching, through healing miracles, through signs and through wonders, he went about his life serving and loving the disciples. So in that journey of life, of serving the community and, and, and people from all walks and shapes, he loved his disciples as he was going along. He was training them and helping them to see through God's eyes the kingdom of God, you know, for, to have compassion for people, to have a heart for people, to help those who are struggling. And it's a fantastic thing for those kinds of inspirational thoughts and actions to rub off in all of our lives. And it's great to read that Jesus loved them till the end. Jesus went the distance in his commitment to love. He went to the end with commitment to love for his friends. Now, I've reached the stage in life, okay, where a few of my close friends have nursed and cared for and blessed elderly relatives and parents while still serving God and getting on with life and working and raising their own families too. And it blows my mind to see when my friends continue to pour out love even when other stresses of life are going on. So you can kind of get to see like Jesus at work in these situations, and I see Jesus' example being reflected in my friends' lives. So when we read that Jesus loved them to the very end, there was this life commitment in this journey to the cross. Jesus was not going to the left or the, to, the, to the right. He was not straying off the mission of the Father's heart. He was listening and obeying his Father's commitment to love and to his friends. And it's a wonderful thing to consider in this journey to the cross. And we too can know this amazing attribute to be able to care for those we love right to the very end, just like Jesus. And it's not to say it's easy. In fact, it's very demanding. But these are the moments in time where we really trust on the grace of God. Now, I don't know whether you've ever found a situation in your life where the pressure is on and you're being pulled from one direction to another and it's like a tug of war going on and in the mix you may be helping other people, but in fact, you could really do some help yourself. 
Those are the times where we call on the name of God and we recognize the love of God in our hearts. When we really need the grace of God to seep into our spirits, those are the times, you know, where the nitty-gritty of life is taking place. And those are the times where we can know the commitment of God. We can know that he did make us and shape us for a reason to know him and to love God and to love others as well. So don't be afraid to pray to God, to ask him to fill us with his grace and his forgiveness and his peace, to help us when we're really wobbling. Because, you know, life can sometimes bring times where we really do wobble. But let's know this grace of God. Let's know that through these verses here, that God is committed to loving us right to the very end. And that is a fantastic... I find it intriguing to read that when it came to Judas betraying Jesus, that in verse 2, it reads that he was prompted by the devil. Now, we don't often hear sermons where the devil may be mentioned, but in this particular verse here, he is mentioned. And it says this, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And you know, my heart aches when I read that. It's such a shame that Judas was one of the twelve. He's seen the miracles. He's seen the love of Jesus, his character, his commitment to his friends and those struggling in life. He still, after all this time, didn't accept Jesus and understand him. And to hand him over to the authorities for payment was such a tragedy for 30 pieces of silver. And sometimes in life, we can be drawn away from the love of God by periphery things. And sometimes money and material stuff can really drag us off course. And it's good to put things in perspective with resources and the things that God blesses us with to use them wisely and not to actually get too much involved in loving money and resources. And with Judas, it's expected that an enemy would be against the goodness of God. But when it's someone who's in the group who's perceived to be a friend, the betrayal is even more painful. And here, Judas is sadly allowed the influence of the enemy to overtake him. And he's chosen badly. Considering a few chapters before in John, in John chapter 6, there's the account where the people disagree that Jesus was from heaven. I don't know if you've read it for yourself. And Jesus had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And after a bit of toing and froing, many of the disciples struggled to believe Jesus. And they deserted him. And Jesus asked the twelve, are you going to leave me too? And there's Simon Peter's famous words, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus then said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil, Judas, who would later go on to betray him. So if you consider this meal that they're having and amongst friends, Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. And he knows one of the group is against him and is going to usher in an evil act. But this amazes me even more that Jesus is prepared to go all the way committed to love. So even in the failings and the opposition of betrayal and the suffering he knows that is going to take place upon him, 
he still has this amazing capacity to be able to love and to bless his disciples there in that room. It's an amazing commitment. And in that knowing that, some, that most are for him, but some are against him, and he knows, and he's got used to people being against him because of the challenge of love and grace, even in all that going on, Jesus was prepared to love them the distance. And here is the big friction point, that Jesus triumphed over tragedy. His love and faithfulness wins through. So in that tragedy of Judas betraying him, still Jesus was going all the way because the victory that he was going to bring was going to outweigh all of the, you know, the bad stuff. So what we're going to do is over the course of this series, Journey to the Cross, and the message of Easter, that will be unpacked even more. But I'm going to move on to the next little bit now. And this little bit is the key theme running through these verses, which is servant leadership, demonstrated by Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Just recapping from those couple of verses. He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel he had around him. So to fully understand what Jesus was doing here, it's helpful to note the typical practices of the day. So when you're going out for a meal or to a friend's place, the particular host, you get a little bath. You get cleaning yourself, getting ready. You, you know, you, you sort yourself out. And when you're going out, out and about to see your friends, you want to look the, the part, you want to feel clean, as Chloe has mentioned earlier, you want to smell nice. I remember being a 15-year-old and playing loads of sports. Who needs a wash? Just stick a bit of Lynx Oriental over you. Smelling lovely. I'm sure Sean would love it if I could get my hands on Lynx Oriental again, bring those memories back of my athletic years. It would be so nice. Those are one of the memories. I also like the smell of rotisserie chicken in Spain. Chicken on a spit, chips, a little glass of sangria, I will be there one day. One day I will be there, and I will smell those things, and I will WhatsApp you those smells. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Next technology for you. If you haven't, you know, that's something for the future. Send your smell by WhatsApp. But moving on, yes, yeah, so you're going out. You're going over to your friend's house. The host is there. And in, at that particular time, of course, so, you know, you're, you're traveling by foot. You've got your, your best sandals on. And, um, you know, you're on a donkey or a camel, whatever it may be. You Uber a, ca a camel. <laughs> all right, then you're going over to your friend's house. But in the meantime, you know, you've stood in all kinds of things. Your feet are stinking, aren't they? So it would be the house servant's responsibility to wash the guest's feet. A lowly job, a dirty job. Just imagine it. Imagine how um, the queen, the queen invites you over for a little meal at the palace. And, um, you know, and she sits you down and said, Adam, how's it going in South Wales? Nice to see you. Um, would you like me to wash your feet? I'd be like, whoa, no, queen. You're not washing my feet today because that's just not right, isn't it? So get in the head now of the disciples and Jesus here of what's going on. He's washing their feet. It's a powerful act. The intimacy of it, you know, who wants to bare their feet and let people touch their feet, isn't it? You know, it's quite an intimate thing. There's, this, there's the washing of the dirtiness. 
It's getting rid of the, the grime and the grit. Jesus is washing it away through his own service and love. And in the 15th verse of this chapter, Jesus says, I'm setting you an example to follow. So Jesus is setting an example. And in life, setting an example and following good examples, I believe, is a good thing. And in our particular walks in life, like we mentioned earlier about good leadership, if we can find things in life that set a good example, and we follow those good examples, that is called wisdom. We put wisdom into our lives, finding which are good examples. Sometimes we have to go through the pain of learning lessons by doing things badly or wrong, or we learn by our mistakes, and mistakes, of course, do happen in life. But sometimes it's easier to follow good examples. A little top tip for you. Now, looking on, right, and you don't want to too much focus on Wales v England and the rugby from last week, because I think that's childish to do that, to keep on, you know, reiterating that Wales have just won the triple crown, because, you know, that's just immature and childish. But uh, well done, Wales, for beating England and winning the triple crown. You know, it's good you win some, you lose some, that's what I say. And um, what a picture that caught my eye in the press this week was that after the celebrations of the lifting of the trophy, Arlene Wynne-Jones and what we see in this picture is he's been photographed helping the crew the setup crew to take away the presentation podium after the game so after a grueling battle with England and inspiring his teammates to victory and the physical demands that that brings and then the aftermath of it all here we see him quietly helping out doing the simplest helpful act I think that's fantastic it's brilliant he still has the time to honour what's going on at the grassroots level. He hasn't been, like, taken away and, you know, well, and he could quite rightly go away and celebrate with his mates and all the rest of it and forget about everything else. But sure, I think that is a wonderful, good example of servant leadership at its best, fresh in the mind and from the Welsh captain as well. What more do you want? Moving on, I was blessed with great parents, hard-working, sacrificial faithful, had a good moral code, and they were very easy going, I must say. And both worked hard manual work throughout their lives. My mum has always cleaned offices and homes for a living, and my dad worked in factories doing various um, practical jobs. But my favourite bit, I remember my dad being a milkman for about 10 years, okay, and on the weekend, he'd let me go and help him on a Saturday morning, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, going with them down to the milk yard, putting all the crates of milk onto the little, you know, vehicles there, and just seeing him working hard, practical, simple way of doing things. And then it was like a little group of them, so, you know, guys in their early 20s, also part of that little team. Then they let me drive their van one day, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I was probably 11 years old, could hardly reach the pedals. I found the accelerator, I couldn't find the brake, oh, there was a problem. So I go shooting off in this van, heading towards a wall, and thankfully the guy in the passenger seat managed to pull up the handbrake and nudge me out of the way before we had a, a bit of an incident. But those memories are long-lasting, funny, and I learned a lot from them. Because those days, you know, you learn a lot from practical servanthood. And um, going on from that, my parents have also been great at supporting family members and helping those around, and neighbours needing that commitment, and 
like as I mentioned earlier, about following good examples, loving other people is an important part of life. And when we see other people doing it, it is great to follow suit. Never underestimate the simple things being done in life. And I'm particularly inspired by... Um, Sean and I run like a little small group with um, young families, lots of young children, wonderful kids, fantastic little personalities, all sparky and all different, funny, brilliant. And during this lockdown year, to see these families getting on with life with the struggles and the strains and the schooling and the jobs and bringing up kids in the home, not being able to go here, there and everywhere, is such an inspiring thing to see the commitment of these parents you know, hard work keeping your children entertained and keeping them learning and enjoying experiences of life is such a wonderful thing to see. But what has been important, I think, is, you know, even you can only get on with the basics. And if you can do the basics, you know, well or the best as you can, that is a good thing to do. So serving one another in these ways is the most spiritual of things we can do. Even when we pray for someone or prophesy for someone, Pray for healing and encourage and generally bless. All those are fantastic things from God. But when we love and we express love towards one another, it is a real spiritual act. Because when the Bible talks about, you know, what are the most important commandments in life? Well, the first one is to love God with everything you've got. And the second one is to love others. So those are fantastic things. Love speaks so strongly when we serve one another practically. It is a fantastic thing to do. In Corinthians, it talks about, you know, love is the motivation for us. No matter what things we master or know or can do, it's, the buck stops with loving and that being our motivation. And as we find out how to love God and one another, we find out the mystery of life isn't such a mystery after all. So let's not despise the little things, but do them with joy. Beth Ellis last week brought a brilliant kid spot talking about St. David. And St. David, he is known for these words, okay? And I'll just say them to you. Be joyful and keep your faith and your creed. Do the little things that you've seen me do and have heard about. I will walk the path that our fathers have trod before us. Those little things, those little things that make a difference... Do them with the heart of God. Do them with the commitment of Jesus, going all the way, serving the practical stuff, because it speaks a thousand words. Jesus loved the disciples by serving them and doing the basics. He also set an example for them to follow, for them to, um, to know his love and to serve one another. So that is a key thing, if I can just mention again, to apply that to our lives, that in the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus did that as a commitment of his love to them, but also to set an example to them as well so that they could go from that place and continue to serve one another and their communities and the churches that sprung up and those families needing help and those individuals who would appreciate love and kindness. So Jesus set an example for us to follow, for us to take on board. And as we kind of get used to that and, and getting involved, we also set the example to others, and it's an ongoing thing through the generations. And we here, as we sit in our seats today, can look back and appreciate the times where people have poured out their lives into us. So let's go away with that truth today. And finally, like many of the accounts in John, there's a second meaning to look out for. 
And I'm just going to read these verses quickly. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Simon Peter was known for one of these people to, you know, really speak out quickly and get involved quickly and really want to, you know, express himself, perhaps an extrovert. And he was jumping straight in. He really did want to follow Jesus, you know, all the way. And uh, there's this surface plane teaching of serving one another through the washing of the feet. But then there's this additional profound meaning that Jesus was to go like to the cross and make way for anyone to be washed clean by Jesus. The ultimate service and act and to deal with the sin issue for anyone who's a human being we will recognize sometimes we have difficult times. Sometimes we have a battle against sin. You know selfish attitudes or you know doing things which which gratify us but not helping other people. And Jesus wanted to help us understand his love, forgiveness, and compassion of God by going to the cross and dealing with this sin issue. And the disciples still didn't quite get what was going on and what Jesus' mission fully was, that he would die and be raised again and conquer death. Jesus' words are so true in these verses Often in life, there's a moment or moments that we don't understand, but one day we will. And Jesus was pouring out into Simon Peter. He knew what, Jesus knew what he was going to be going through and the process of faith that Simon Peter was going through because, you know, he was, he was shouting it out and I'd follow and et cetera, et cetera. And he ends up denying Jesus three times. But then after, and we'll study this further in the series, that Jesus lovingly restores him when he's resurrected and, you know, brings him back into, you know, this fullness of love and acceptance and helped him in his faith journey. And we do have those moments in life, those moments where we don't understand right now what's going on, but one day we will. And that can sometimes be the journey of life, that there may be mysteries or questions or circumstances that we don't get now, but one day we will. And what I would encourage us this morning is that we can trust in Jesus in those quirky, difficult times where the things that we're wrestling with or struggling with, and we could really do with knowing right now what this means or where we're going in this. But there is this integrity there's this faith that rises up within us to trust in God. Faith, trust, and hope, those things which are so linked, we can be encouraged by those words of Jesus that we can trust in him and eventually things will pan out that we can understand what's been going on. In this context here, of course, it's Jesus' restoring Simon Peter and for anyone who'd come to a faith in him the Easter story, that we can know the love, the compassion, and grace of God in our lives. And today we may be listening in, and we've experienced not understanding who Jesus is in our lives, but now we do. I remember that transitional period when I was a teenager, 
of not knowing purpose or understanding about, you know, life and what happens when we die and all these questions, significant things. And then the amazing point of time where I came to an understanding of Jesus, of who God is, and I put my trust and faith in him for life. And many of you listening today will know that story and journey for yourselves. Or maybe today we're on that particular part of the journey where we're finding out we don't quite know or believe that Jesus is the Son of God or that he died at Easter to help us know God and to conquer death and to bring us into a position of being able to put our faith in him. And maybe today you're finding out a little bit more or you're wanting to know a little bit more or there is something, there are questions rattling around in your mind where you could really do with some answers with. Well, this journey to the cross I believe wholeheartedly is the message of God to restore us as people, to bring us into his presence, knowledge, and relationship with him. For us and you to be restored, to be restored, forgiven, and blessed. The Bible talks about when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a new creation. Our past wrongdoings have been dealt with and forgiven. And even if we kind of mess up or or slip up later on, then God's grace and forgiveness is still with us and for us. Either way, may you know today the love and assurance of God in your life. And that is kind of this part of the series that I wanted to talk about this morning. Jesus' commitment to love going all the way, washing his disciples' feet and what that means for us today in this age. So let's take a moment, let's close our eyes, and I will close and finish this talk with a little bit of prayer. Yes, Lord, firstly, we want to thank you today for your loving and kind commitment to us. Today, Lord, we just want to follow your example and see the opportunities uh, to love and to serve other people. Pray that you give us the heart and the motivation and the compassion for that. And again, may we be inspired to go the distance in you, Lord, in every circumstance and season of our lives. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and for your love today. In Jesus' name, amen.